everybody. Welcome once again to Deconstructing the Psyche. This is your host, Michael Breach, and my co-host, Eamon. (laughs) You didn't match the energy level there. That's okay. Trying our best. Yeah, it's a little hot. It might be, that might be the problem. It is a sweltering weekend here in Los Angeles. It's like... 80 degrees in the room? Yeah. 90 degrees probably. in here? We are sweating. Around 95. I'm glad we're not in Phoenix, Arizona. I was looking, I think it said it was 118 degrees out there. And the low is 93 degrees. Yeah, I like California. Pretty. <laughs> <laughs> I like being Pretty by bad. the coast. Yeah. Um, well, the lights are still on. Yeah, they are. I wanted to say, you know, before we get started today, uh, I don't know. I've really appreciated the time that we've had doing this. This has been enjoyable. Mm-hmm. This is our 10th podcast. I feel very invested in this process and I don't know. There's a lot of, there's a lot that comes along with it. You know, us getting to know each other differently and more as friends and as co-hosts of this podcast and the <laughs> learning about talking about movies and trying to find ways to talk about them and then everything that comes along with editing and uh promotion of it and i don't know it's been i've really liked it and just wanted to say appreciate you going on this journey with me yo thank you i wasn't expecting that but i appreciate i appreciate all the work you're doing the promotion the editing you know, yeah. you do a lot for the podcast yeah. and it's really great, you know? Yeah. I really feel like, you know, I agree with you. It is really pushing us to look at things, really, these movies from a real psychological perspective. Yeah. Even some of the thoughts and ideas, <clears throat> we probably wouldn't have these kinds of interpretations unless we were exposed to the films that we're watching. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's been really good. It's been a good journey and yeah. thank you for inviting me on the journey. Yeah. We've kind of had to push our our mental boundaries in a way to come up with different ideas and you know, I think through these conversations too, we end up coming to a lot of different realizations than we would have if it was just one of us by ourselves. So that's a really interesting part of it as well, I would say. Definitely. We so, have two different modalities. So. Yeah. I guess we'll see what comes of today this mm-hmm. is podcast number 10 the fountain yeah the fountain the, mm-hmm. i i'm i'm a big fan of darren aronofsky mm-hmm. uh, and i i've watched i think i've watched all of his films he he definitely has some obscure films i would say this isn't the most obscure although it is very strange i would recommend watching mother for anybody that likes this director and it will definitely throw you off a little (laughs) but the fountain is also um it's it's strange it's it's a different type of movie what was your initial impressions of the film that's a good question a really good question initially (laughs) i agree with you it was strange Mm -hmm. but towards the end after watching the film, it just makes it makes to me it makes sense. Okay, but in the beginning, like things are not making sense to me. Yeah, it's from diff- the very beginning, it's yeah. you're kind of in this space that we have no idea what's going on. Exactly, really. it's different it, from. It Miller starts out with Tony. the explorer conquistador guy and battling Mayans, I guess, mm-hmm. and then kind of going into this temple and almost being killed, and then. That's kind of like where the movie starts off. Right. And so it's it's a little strange. I think it's a little disorienting the way it's done where we're transitioning between these two, these three different versions of uh, the character, main character, Tommy. Yeah. And not really knowing why he's these three different people and what their relation to each other is and how there's certain scenes where he's saying the exact same thing in each of the scenes Hmm. and yeah it's like what is it him at different times is it him in different incarnations of himself yeah 
That's what it reminded me of, like the movie Sky. I think Sky Atlas. Mm, oh, Cloud that, Atlas. Cloud okay. Atlas. That's one we I've never watch. seen that, but that uh, makes sense that it would fall in that same category. Yeah, different reincarnations. Mm. But for me, it's not really like that. Okay, think, so you didn't think it was incarnations of himself in the beginning? I thought it was. Uh-huh. I thought it was, but then it's to me, it's really not that. Again, I think we're re- we're seeing another film. Where there is one little literal character, mm-hmm. and then there are mm. different pieces of that character that he's internally internally experiencing. Yeah. So Tommy is the literal mm-hmm. character. You you mean right? He's yeah. the he's kind of in the reality that you and I are living in. Exactly. Okay. And then the other two, I, I guess maybe this is a good place to start. Is what do you think is the difference between the two? Because it seems like the conquistador character it, that was based off of a story that his girlfriend or his wife was uh, writing, correct? Yeah. yeah. And it's sort of a metaphorical character, right? I would say. But what about the other character? Is that supposed to be because it's that's not based off of a story? So who is? What's that supposed to represent? Or what is that other character? The bald headed version of tommy supposed to represent the bald-headed one to me represents enlightenment Mm. but you don't come to that kind i mean you come to that character but he the the bald-headed character has to go through the darkness before he reaches enlightenment yeah but all you have to see that all aspects of the self have to synchronize Mm. before you reach that point where Mm -hmm. um, i think he's in the lotus position and he transcends into the 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 next realm yeah uh, of life yeah you know he's annihilated yeah well he's annihilated but he's he's also purified in a way Mm -hmm. you know the tree i think destroys him oh he's annihilated because of the 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 dying star that's what it seems like right yeah, but that dying star annihilating him or destroying him is actually him accepting death. Yeah. You know, and accepting... Because this is a journey for me. Mm-hmm. The film is a journey for, for Tommy yeah. to go through the the loss of a person. Mm-hmm. But I think Darren Aronofsky is really portraying the journey that one goes through internally through the mind when losing someone that they love. Because in it, we see even... I think bargaining at one point, yeah, trying to save life, mm-hmm. you know, even the surgery he's performing on the monkey in a way, yeah. trying to figure out how he can save his wife, yeah. But in reality, she's saying to him towards the end, like, "Hey, like I'm okay, okay, I, I'm okay with death, okay." But I think it took that for her to say, "I'm okay with death," for him to be like, "Okay, I'm okay with you dying, yeah. I'm okay with you letting go," yeah. But in that, we're seeing a man who's struggling with the idea of facing death. The story of the of the Aztec, I think, was one uh, reincarnation of the way, in a way, of you know, this person giving their life to be reborn in a way, but giving their life to create life, mm. because in in some sense, it's alchemical in a way. Sure. Because when we're losing, when we <clears throat> lose parts of ourselves, we grow out of that. When we lose any relationship, we we grow from that. Right, so we lose someone that we care about. Mm-hmm. I think any of us who've experienced loss have known that once you lose someone that you care about, yeah. there is a growth that comes from that. Mm-hmm. There's certain realizations that come through that yeah. journey. Yeah. The realizations are ones that you're faced with, and at times it's ugly. Yeah. It could be one could have lost a relationship because of their own addictions, be it uh, drug addiction or other things that they're in, that they've have taken them from their relationship mm-hmm. but once things are gone from their lives right i'm speaking about maybe breakups and stuff once these things are gone from one's life you come to this point where you have to face yourself mm-hmm. and we see tommy's journey is him facing himself not yeah. just his mortality but the facing in what way the loss of himself when we lose someone we lose a part of ourselves we're losing someone that made up our identity and we see tommy experiencing multiple identities Mm. the conquistador the Mm. the enlightened one Mm. right yeah and himself yeah right 
but when you're experiencing these multiple identities, some of these identities maybe you're not aware of. Yeah. Right. And in, for me, it's internal. Right. So and, what are the other identities? What do you think they're doing then? They're trying to... Well, there are parts of himself that are trying to search for something. They're or, all trying to reconcile one thing. Yeah. Because it seems like the conquistador, I guess even with that name conquistador, you're trying to conquer, you're trying to defeat. Maybe that's what he was trying to do throughout much of the story is he's trying to conquer or defeat death in some way. Yeah. And he says that literally in the main timeline and that that's the point of his research and of all his findings he's going towards with the monkey and the operations they're doing on it. So when you say that, when trying to defeat death, we go back to what we've talked about in previous podcasts, mm-hmm. the myth of Sisyphus. Yeah. He also tried to defeat death. Yeah. But in doing so, you know, he was punished for that. <clears throat> he, in the way, then was forced to push the rock up the hill, like I've said before. Mm. But then once he's pushing the rock up the hill, he then appreciates the journey of pushing the rock up the hill. Mm. Like Albert Camus said, right, Camus said, What's most important is the journey. Mm. And, and other films have talked about the journey, too. Yeah. Like, the most important thing in life is not the bigger picture, yeah. but it's a smaller detail. It's not the, the result so much as what you're doing at the time. So there was one scene when his wife was asking him to go out yeah. and walk with her. Oh, sure. Because, you know, it's the first snow of the year. Which is something that they've done every year, it seems. But he's obsessed with trying to save her that yeah. he's missing the point, which yeah. is, I want you to live with me, yeah. is what she wants. Mm-hmm. Be alive with me. <clears throat> because you're obsessed with death, you're not really focused on yeah. the life that we have Being today. Being present. Being present is important. And I think Tommy had to realize that, that being present is important yeah and it seems like i mean you could look at this movie as it's not just about if death was actually staring you in the face in the sense of his his girlfriend or his wife dying but um if death or fear is a a big part of your life then it can cause you to not be in the moment or not enjoy what you have in front of you all the time. And it seems like one of the main things that this or points that this movie hinges on is that first decision of his wife going out the door to the right and him either being able to follow her or go left and go towards the science that he's doing. And so in the beginning of the movie, he, goes left and he leaves her and he he goes towards the science project which is kind of what spurs on the rest of the movie right but in the end it kind of shows a pair uh maybe a alternate universe or something i don't know what it was supposed to be in which he actually follows her and i I think darren aronofsky is doing a lot of interesting things with light Mm-hmm. in this movie which we kind of saw in the whale too right at the end of the whale there's oh, yeah, yeah. the light and how it it plays a b- very big factor in the end of that movie but it also works out here and in other scenes of this movie where uh, you know you can also see this one izzy's in the museum and she looks up to the light and right, she yeah. kind of falls down she has a seizure but it also was like this moment of rapture for her it right. seems but it's also here in this scene with Tommy deciding to go right and follow her because when she goes out, it's just light. Yeah. And it's it's this symbol of that's that's where life is to be had, is where the light is. And you can kind of take that for whatever you want to interpret it as. I think he's really talking about a phenomenon, though. Mm. In, in life, there are different events either you're pushed to it or you make the decision to go towards that mm. that light but yeah, um, what is that though but that's what that's the that's the idea it's like what is the light for mm-hmm. each person maybe and i think really it's how they i think it talks about the journey but one's choice that can one can make right we all have free will but it's about the path that you take mm. so there is a light like even for me 
when I see a person, they've just stood out to me. But if I don't, if I don't open up to that person, if I don't mm. speak to that person, then I will never know what kind of light they emit. Mm. And for me, the light means an opening to another world. Each person, I believe, has uh, their own worldly view mm. because we're all different creatures. We all different experience the world differently. Mm. But if I don't open up to that person's um, reality, right? Mm. Martin Heidegger's idea of um, uh, the the what is it? Uh, world-spanning openness okay right if i open to you 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 open to me now we're opening both um forms of understanding both yeah. forms of truth or reality yeah. Yeah. but if i don't then i close off my light towards yours mm-hmm. so then we're not that makes sense we're, we're both in a state of darkness yeah. rather than a state of opening yeah. right yeah. and the world-spanning openness yeah openness i think philip cushman talks about this as being the clearing in a way Mm. because in in life we do we are presented with these choices we are presented with these sort of outcomes right unless we take the chance we don't know what's going to happen Mm. so we should be able to or should open up ourselves to people in that way or the opportunities because the light just doesn't have to be people it could be making that choice to leave take take a right and yeah. go out that door and go towards your future yeah. or yeah. it could be it could be going left go to the darkness and then reliving the same trauma mm. right reliving the same and maybe that's a, what he's doing there is he's going back and repeating traumas in a way so repeating the trauma repeating the addiction repeating the same event over and over that was an addiction too, right? He well, was obsessed. It's an with obsession. Doing that obsession with trying to defeat death. Mm. That was it, the darkness for him. Then, well, that's everyone's darkness. Yeah, right? but for him particularly, trying to trying to defeat death and using science to overcome it, that was actually a dark place for him. Exactly, but and that it dark was something place, that was like sapping his life in a way. You're right, and that speaks to addiction. Mm. Because when one goes into that in that realm of existing, right, I'm going to repeat this yeah. over and over. What am I really trying to experience, re-experience? Yeah. I'm tr- what am I trying to get right? It becomes mm. sort of the obsessive compulsiveness. Mm. What am I trying to get right? What do I want to, what do I need to stop? What do I need to do? What I, you know, it becomes that obsession. It's yeah. a cycle. Then you realize, okay, stop. Yeah. Stop. No, stop. It's not that hard. <clears throat> go, go right. Because if you go right, you're going to relieve yourself of what you're actually experiencing, mm. the pain that you're experiencing. Mm. Go right and face the pain. Yeah. Spend time with her. Go live with her. Be yeah. with her. But rather also, than preventing it. Yeah. But that also seems like it would be very difficult. And he's given good reason to not go right and to go left instead. You know, they tell him, hey, we've made all these discoveries and things are kind of looking up this way and so it kind of hooks him in yeah. and he goes that way and it's it's almost like it's easy to not go right and tell himself well i can do this with her later and maybe that's another way to think about how we miss out on the present moment is that oh i can do this later i can do this at another time i can i can go with her in the snow some other time and it's like well maybe there won't be another time exactly because we're taking life for granted we're Mm -hmm. taking time for granted when he's transcending reality right when he's actually reaching enlightenment Mm -hmm. i think he's realizing you can't take time for granted you Mm -hmm. can't take life for granted Mm Because at the end of the day, life ends. Yeah. And that's a realization that, you know, I think he had to come to. Yeah. I, I think these three Tommies are representations of the same person. Yeah. And the actual Tommy was the mm-hmm. one that we face with at the end, which is him now reconciling the idea of his, the death of his partner, his yeah. wife. Yeah. I wonder if the... So, okay. Because we're talking about... It's interesting how we got to this already but we're talking about the split between him going left or going right and left is towards the darkness right is towards the light the fork in the road yeah yeah but so when they show that scene again at the end when he finally decides to go right that's also the time when we see the characters the conquistador character and the uh monk type character 
finally overcome death, it seems. Yeah. So the Conquistador character, that's when he he doesn't get killed by the the Lord Shibala and instead the Lord has to bow down to him. Right. And he, I think he says something like, I yeah. didn't know you were one of the, you were the first father. Yeah. Which I'm not sure what that means, but that's part of the myth. Okay. The you myth were... says that the first father was the first one to sacrifice himself for mm. life. Okay. And then I think he thought he was. Isn't and... that like what Jesus was though? Yeah. It's resurrection. Mm. But I think everyone, I think the film and this is a, a human truth is that people all come to a certain realization about life and death mm. and really accepting both as a balance, I think is yeah. how a person reaches enlightenment because you realize that the small things don't matter. The worldly problems don't matter. What matters is what we have mm. with the ones that we love. Mm. These are, these things matter. The people in my life matter. Yeah. What we see though is a synchronization between all three characters, all three Tommies. Yeah. That's why, like, to your point, we see him actually defeating death in a way. Yeah. I'm curious to know what else you were going to say. Yeah. But he, so he defeats death and then he goes to this scene where he finds a tree of life. Right. right. Yeah. And so we were talking about this before. This is a, kind of a bizarre scene, mm-hmm. but he stabs the tree of life. Yeah. And the milk. It's like a milky sap starts coming out. And the what I think about this is kind of the... the Semen? Well, <laughs> I think that's one of the things that came to my mind. I wasn't... There was some sexual overtones to this scene, it seems. Yeah, right? well, like, undertones, right? That, that yeah, is semen. overtone, undertone, I'm not sure which one Semen is, right, is also but, a creator of life, but it's also... That's true. So, oh, man, this but is, it's also it's very loaded. There's so so, so much symbolic stuff well, going on here. Semen is also right, the creator of life, but we can also say that it's also the tree sap is also nourishment, yeah. right? Yeah. Because well, yeah, right, and nourishment also gives life. So that, I mean, I something I keep, I'm thinking about as we were talking about this is the symbols of, of transformation by Carl Jung, mm-hmm. and he talks about a lot about libido and what he termed libido was psychic energy or a life force, right? Um, energy, uh, vitality. Mm -hmm. And he's going through his book talking about all these symbolic depictions of what that is. And there's a pretty big section about phalluses. And also I think like, dealing with sperm and the fluid that comes from the phallus or the penis, but not in the concrete way that we like to think about it. Maybe like from what clockwork orange, where it was a literal understanding of it, but like more of what does this represent? And a lot of times they were using those as representations of this is a thing that's giving you life. This is a thing that's kind of, um, making you feel invigorated and that you're charged with some type of energy that's coming into your body almost. And it's like flowing through you. Right. And that's kind of what happens when he finds this tree and it's like this milky semen or whatever it is. And he ingests it and he's kind of like sexual with it. Like, Oh God, Oh God. Like, like not he couldn't get enough of it he's ingesting it yeah but it gives him it's seeming like it's giving him it's replenishing him and it's and it's healing him right and then he ends up like turning into the the, the plants essentially oh he becomes a part he of becomes the tree. part of it yeah though. he becomes a part of the tree of life he becomes a part of nature yeah he becomes a part of organic matter what's somehow that was his goal though the goal was to become a part of that to start to exist with life but and and that's the but that's such a interesting part of what we're talking about is you can you could look at that scene and him turning into plants or whatever and people like oh that's horrible like that's not a good thing but if you're understanding it symbolically like we're talking about it's like oh no that's actually a good thing because He's no longer tied to his ego. He's no longer tied to his personal desires and wishes. He's 
one with nature. He's one with the the life force that he's consumed. Like so, sometimes in life, like life when when you're in a band, right? When you're in a band and you're playing music, like in your beginning, like all the guys are uncoordinated, or the girls, like we're all uncoordinated when we're playing. But once you're all coordinated in life, like in the band, mm. it just sounds like something different. It just sounds like yeah. art. Like you yeah. see the music, you yeah. hear the music being played when everyone is choreographed and coordinated. Yeah. So, <clears throat> in terms of this person existing, like, yeah, losing someone is very depressing. But once you start to accept the reality of what life is and the severity of what's happening in the mm. moment and start to become accepting of it, do you start to become a part of it? Mm. And do you start to relieve yourself of the pain or the guilt that we feel about life and death? Yeah. And for him to finally reach a point of gaining interest to the place where the tree was. Yeah. I think for him, it was a moment where he's, and then drinking the tree sap, right? Yeah. yeah. For him, it was that moment of, okay, now I'm a part of this, but I wasn't expecting this either. Yeah. The expectation wasn't. That wasn't his goal. His was, goal he didn't was to know save the, her. Yeah, well, he, yeah, because he didn't think when he's going towards a tree of life, yeah, he wanted to save the, the woman. Or you could also think of in the Conquistador story that being the soul. That's how I interpret it. And maybe we can talk about those earlier scenes of that later mm -hmm. on. But I, I, I see that as a representation of the soul or the anima and that he's looking to save that. But by saving his soul or the anima, he actually saves himself. Yeah, he does. And it's interesting because for me, when you say the soul, I think that that's one part of the person. But there are different layers to the person. Mm. And what we're seeing in the film are different layers to Tommy. And all these different layers, like you said earlier, all synchronize. Yeah. But then... It's also not a pretty picture to synchronize. Yeah. It's actually very painful. Yeah. Because one because once you think you're at the end, like Tommy thought, there was sort of this um strong desire for the tree, a rage for the mm -hmm. tree. So mm -hmm. He found it. Yeah. But even then there was this anger, right? Yeah. Aggressiveness. Yeah. That he grabs a knife and just punctures a tree yeah. with a knife. Right, aggressively, not like softly, just punctured it. Like I need your nourishment. He 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 grabbed one droplet. Well, one droplet fell into the ground, yeah. and then well, sucked. it's after he got a taste of it. Is no. that's when he pushes it in really hard. After, after no, after he saw it. Okay, I think it was after because his initial his initial yeah. puncture is is like very delicate. It's delicate, right? And then he gets a little bit of it and he puts it on his wound. But one no, one droplet falls to the ground. Oh, yeah, yeah. It and turn, then and it, it sprouts. creates the bushes and then he smells the bushes. Yeah, and, and that's when he punctures it's like a it. perfume or something that comes from it that makes him intoxicated. Well, that's when he punctures it because he smells it. That makes sense though. You yeah. would think that if somebody got a a whiff of the tree of life and its power is that they would have no other choice but to continue following it at that point <laughs> it's <not laughs> like just... it's it's uh it's beyond your power at that point you you don't have control over yourself anymore yeah it, yeah it's exactly that there is sort of intoxication of the power that it provides yeah. but we see that he's just a man yeah. but you get more than what you ask for because you puncture it he swallows the rest of it, right? Ingests mm. the rest of it, and he becomes a part of it, which I don't think he was expecting. Yeah. But it, interesting, because as he, as he's becoming this, he puts the tree, he puts the, the ring on his finger, he right? He tries to. He tries to put the ring on his finger, right? Or he attempts to put the ring on his finger, and then the other part of himself that's transcending. Mm. We see Tommy being now um, yeah. engulfed yeah. by the tree of life, you know, totally becoming part of the garden. But then we, the other part of himself sees that is now saying, okay, he's done. He's already accepted that fate. Mm. He's dead, basically. Mm. And then this other part of himself, the enlightened part of himself, puts the ring on himself. Yeah. And then even then he becomes sort of destroyed by yeah. the nebula, right? Yeah. The and star. He, and then he, he kind of evaporates and goes 
back into the tree that was below him and mm-hmm. that tree sprouts based off of his spirit or whatever he was that like, went into the tree right but those are so those are the three different ways that he's maybe turning towards the light then so we have one mm-hmm. which is like in our world where it's going in following what's right in front of your face and being in the moment being right. in the present and then in these more symbolic ways it's he's finds a tree of life and he's turns into living matter right. and is invigorated by it and then in the other one he's annihilated and also becomes part of the tree and part of the living substance and he actually then also invigorates the living substance by being evaporated into it. So I think then that talks about a conjoining of the spirit and matter. Yeah. Right. A conjoining sure. of spirit because the enlightened one was in spirit. And then he became a part of the tree once he was destroyed. Yeah. And it goes back to your, your idea of destroying the ego. Mm. You know, we've talked about this before too. It's just like anyone in the world can have an ego. Yeah. I'm better than you, I have more money than you, mm. blah, 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 careers mm-hmm. and stuff, right? Mm-hmm. But we're not more different than anyone else. Yeah. We all subscribe to the same fate. And the same fate is reality is death. Yeah. As much as we try to stop it from happening, that becomes a reality of life, is that death is an existence of life. Yeah. You know, and, and for him to go through these different sort of levels of enlightenment, mm-hmm was him now accepting the true fate, which that death does happen. But I think before that, there's sort of a conjoining of everything, of accepting of who you are, seeing yourself as you are as a person. Yeah. But I think he needed to see himself as what he was, right? What did I do? What are the mistakes I've made in my life mm. right now? What do I really want? Is it selfish for me to try to keep her alive, or is it more important for me to be with her? now yeah and i think he realizes in the end that being with her was the thing that he needed to be doing um and it makes me think of uh another symbolic thing that comes up in this movie is the what you were already mentioning was the ring right and so they mentioned the idea of wholeness Mm -hmm. several times in this movie and trying to become whole right which is a Jungian idea Mm-hmm. and the ring is the circle and so or, mm-hmm. one time he loses the time he loses the ring is when he chooses to go to the left right and so for the rest of the movie he's without his ring and it's gone and the only way he gets it back is at the end when he's i think the the bald man the monk type yeah. finally puts the ring back on and that seems when he's realized the his mistakes and that he went towards the light finally right that ring symbolizing wholeness and unity comes up several times throughout the movie and and is another interesting symbolic motif that they use there i think they even they even zoom into the forehead right the Mm. third eye Mm. the third the third eye is for enlightenment yeah yeah not everyone gets to that point. Not mm. everyone gets to that point of enlightenment. And enlightenment doesn't have to look like this transcending factor in reality. Yeah. It just has to be one really looking at themselves and the mistakes they've made in their lives. Yeah. What needs to change. We we hear about it. I mean, at least I've heard about it when Joe Rogan talks about it in his podcast about like mm-hmm. people using DMT or mm-hmm. people using ayahuasca yeah. to try to get that point to come to these realizations. Yeah. But in reality one can come to these realizations by just facing the truth about themselves. Yeah. Looking at the mirror, you can do it in psychotherapy as well. Yeah. But sometimes it's really just looking at the mirror. Yeah. And I don't mean a little mirror. I mean a reflection of what your life is. Mm. Look at the reflection of what your life and what you're creating. Is this something you're content with? Yeah. Or what are you doing to create this reality for yourself? Yeah. And if this reality is one that brings you joy, sadness, sadness, or pain, you know, do you need to change it? Yeah. Do you, does it brings you joy? Obviously. Okay. Why? Yeah. Does it bring you sadness? Why? Yeah. Pain? Why? 
And if if you find what the truth is, either go to somebody who talks about, you know, like a mental health expert Mm -hmm. or even a friend. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, But at some point in life, I think we're all faced with who we really are. Mm. And like Tommy, some of us run away from that. Yeah. Yeah. I do do think also that maybe in terms of him understanding who he is, uh, part of this movie is dealing with trying to reconcile our nature, if you will, and maybe even our part, our connection to nature or whatever that might mean. Mm. Um, I mean, you, you, I think that's when I think of death and it's part in our life, that is a way to understand how we are part of nature and that that is kind of where we come from in a way because when you deny death and you act like it's not a part of you you're acting like you're not the same as every other being that's on this earth which is something that eventually dies well that's what i got from the tree yeah the tree represents an ancient being Mm -hmm. for me but an ancient being that should be respected Mm. The other day, it was yesterday, I was walking at the park. I usually walk at the park at, you know, during the evenings. Yeah. And it was pretty hot, like we said earlier. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't until we walked towards the trees, mm. like underneath the trees, that we mm. get like breeze. This was like around 9 p.m. Yeah. There was a breeze. But then I thought to myself, there, there is something about being around the trees. Mm. You know, being around... The environment, yeah, that is grounding, that feels yeah. whole, that feels safe. Yeah, the tree of life for me represents, you know, the different records of life, right? And what I've to- told you earlier that the tree of life has different hmm, cores, right? Mm. There are different sort of, sure. what are they called? The different the rings, uh, the rings are inside of a tree, the mm-hmm. core of a tree, mm-hmm. and they all depict, they all talk about a certain section of life yeah and in a way we're like that as well we the way we look at the world the way we interpret things about the world we take in all these experiences and all these images and it, it would be really um, idiotic not to believe that we are not affected by the different experiences we face every day yeah we are sure but then do they not leave a mark on us mm-hmm. they do these different experiences do leave a mark on us. When we when we lose somebody, why is it that when they're gone, do we still feel like they're there? Mm. They're there because they left a presence in the room. Mm-hmm. Their image, their experience left something there. Yeah, definitely. You know, but we in our mind want to put them there because we in our mind see them there. Mm. When they're gone, we go into the state of object permanence where it's like, Okay, where are you? I can't find you anymore. Did where did you go? Yeah, because they used to exist there. They used to take up space there. Well, I mean, you bring up a interesting idea though, in that maybe part of the reason that we sense that they're still there is maybe they are still there. Yeah, they are. Maybe that's part of what this movie is talking about too. Is that when you die or you're you know gone physically that that's not that might not be all that there is and that there's some other aspect to ourselves some spiritual or metaphysical aspect which perhaps goes back into the world or goes back into nature and is dissolved into whatever else there is here and that it's all part of just one big thing and that we all are interconnected in that i mean it makes me think of the idea of the the axis or the world soul or the axis mundi Mm -hmm. and that or even ideas of the brahman and the atman and all these kind of conceptions deal with this idea of how our soul and the world soul are actually one and the same thing and they're not different they just we we perceive them as being different they're they're connected and that 
maybe we just don't see that because of the physical matter and the and the forms that we are presented with every day mm-hmm. that would be kind of like maya in hinduism the uh, appearances are are what deceive us and they uh don't allow us to see the the underlying interconnections of the spiritual world i don't know Max. i don't know if i believe in that part. Mm. You know, and I don't disagree with you, but I don't know if I believe in that part of yeah. it where, for me... Well, I, I mean, it, it's, I don't even know if I do, but I, I, I think that this movie might be kind of getting at some about of that. that. Yeah. You know, well, like yeah. they talk, that, uh, the idea about you kind of being reborn through another uh, substance or a, another tree or like putting a seed in the grave so that a, a tree will sprout out and that you will be part of that tree. We, we, th- we tend to think of these things literally, mm-hmm. but in a some, somewhat of a metaphorical way, maybe you can, we can start to grasp what that means or what the significance of that is. I mean, for me, <clears throat> then what would be the point of reaching enlightenment or reaching these different kinds of acceptances to become whole if we eventually just will die you know because for me it's sort of like a person does if you lose a person in your home that you yeah. really love and care about yeah you actually feel like they're still there right because in your mind the mind creates this sort of there's an impression upon the mind of the person there and the mm. environment there's an impression of the person in the environment mm-hmm. you see the grooves of the of the chair they used to sit in or the bed or where they used to lay right even the clothing of them there yeah there's an impression of the reality of the person being there in, in waking life in yeah. real life yeah right but they accept that the spirit is somehow a part of the worldly universe i don't know but then what would be the point of reaching that state of enlightenment, right? Then that state of enlightenment to reach that point of wholeness and individuality mm. would for me to be, would for me reflect a sense of um, selfishness, right? Because why? Because it's like, okay, I get to that point of enlightenment. I get to that point of total acceptance yeah. of who I am. Uh-huh. Isn't that selfish? Isn't that narcissistic in a way? What do you, but in what way? What are you talking because about? Because it's all about me. This is me creating a better version of myself. Well, what if that's the point is that you you realize who you are and maybe back to what I was talking about, about this, this uh, indistinguishability between the personal soul and the world soul is that by realizing who you are, you actually realize that you are the same thing as everybody else and everything that's in the universe and so that by that account then you actually lose a lot of your selfishness and you lose a lot of your ego so, and you start to merge with the world around you more and that by that sense to me you have to be start out selfish first yeah it you has to, to be start off yes exactly. that way first before you gain to that point of well, enlightenment that's what they if you read about uh, Nirvana, not the band, but the, the yeah. idea, it means to blow out or to be extinguished. And what the idea is that you actually must pursue your selfishness and certain things like hostility and greed and things like that until they flame out and that there's nothing left. And when it, it's extinguished and it's blown out, that's the nirvana state. And then it's that's, like, well, I've pursued it to that point. I guess this is the idea is that since you've pursued it to that point, you realize it's fruitless nature. And now what? <laughs> that's what he did in the film. That's really what he did. He, it seems like it. Well, he burned out at the end of the film. Yeah. The star exploded. Yeah. He yeah. exploded yeah. and he realized... Again, he came out of all those different events and then planted a, a seed upon mm-hmm. her, her mm-hmm. grave. You know, and it goes back to the realization that the earth can crush you. There is a force that's mightier than the being, and then you're a part of it. 
Yeah. And it can crush you. So become a part of it or don't exist. Mm. Right. And don't exist means like, okay, maybe I'll be depressed Mm. or maybe I'll be in fear of this great force. We talked about this in melancholia. Yeah. When this great force comes to destroy the world. But in reality, well, what if in the nirvana state you realize you're part of that force? In the nirvana state, you realize that that force can crush you if you you go against it, right? Yeah. But then you become a part of it. Like, no, we're all part of the same force. I'm not an enemy against this. Yeah. Well, then it's realizing I'm not an enemy against death. Yeah. I'm not at odds with death. Yeah, exactly. It's part of you. I'm a part of death. It's already, maybe, maybe you've already died in some sense. Although painful, her death is a part of my life, too. Mm. You know, and sure. although, although painful, it's something that I have to accept in my being. And I think that's what he was dealing with, is accepting death a part, a part of his being, to yeah. be a part of his being. Oh, yeah. Because it becomes another identity that one has to take on. Yeah. The identity of a widower, yeah. in his sense. And yeah. I think that's what he was rejecting. Yeah, I don't think this... I think maybe we see it that way and that he's dealing with her death for a lot of the movie, but I think it's more about his own mortality yeah. that he's, he's struggling with throughout this film. And it like, maybe he is afraid to have her gone. But one of the things that the monk or the bald man uh, says before he climbs up the tree and kind of lifts off into the cosmos is, I'm going to die. Like he admits to himself, I'm going to die. And he does it kind of half crying and half laughing. And that's kind of the, the point when he is finally able to overcome it, it seems. But that's the part of the culmination for the film is him having to come to that it's understanding awesome. for himself. It's also, I'm going to die is not the literal death. Well, yeah, they could. I mean, that's it's, another it's thing a, I thought we could talk about and maybe we'll now is maybe it's not the physical death and maybe it's the spiritual death, actually. That's a death of the person you were before. Yeah. We all go through these sure. kinds of death. And like I said earlier, we can go through this kind of a death when losing a relationship, mm. the death of an identity mm. or the, the death of, you know, addiction, mm. right? The person who I was before I'm leaving behind. Yeah. Because that person no longer functions with who I'm becoming, right? Mm-hmm. I've seen this a lot even with patients I've worked with when mm-hmm. a relationship ends, right? Or they come to me for therapy, for treatment, and we're working through stuff. And they're realizing, their partners are realizing I'm ch- they're changing. Mm-hmm. But it's because they're becoming healthier, mm-hmm that there's a realization that comes in that I no longer need this in my life anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Multiple times this happens where even in my own experiences, when I'm leaving, when I was leaving unhealthy habits, yeah. did I start to come to the realization of, I don't want to be here anymore. For sure. I don't want this life anymore. Yeah. I want something different. Yeah. But until you're honest with yourself, do you start to realize I need to change? Mm. But in reality, like in this film or like any other areas of her life, change is painful. Oh, yeah. So years ago, I was working with um, a group at, at my college, my old college, mm. when I was an undergrad. Mm-hmm. Uh, was, we were preventing suicide. I read this book, uh, Suicide Notes, right? Okay. Uh, I, I would go into the community and talk about how to prevent suicide. Okay. A lot of the men who would commit suicide or complete suicide would do it because... There was a loss of identity. Mm. Either the partners cheated on them or lost a job, they lost finances. You know, there's a death of an identity that mm. was unexpected, mm. right? But I'm saying we have to embrace this loss. Again, the myth of Sisyphus. That, it's interesting that you bring up that idea, though, you say the loss of identity. Right. Because I, I think I was... We had a little interchange on Instagram this last week and I was sure. talking about the idea of ego and how ego is just identities, essentially. Yeah. It's all these different 
identities that get constructed over time telling us who we are who we should be and maybe yeah or who we should be and maybe like kind of what you're getting at there is when those identities are kind of no longer it's a hit to our ego yeah and usually we're trying to hold on to our ego we're trying to hold on to our identities and not let them go right and part of this transcendence or the spiritual rebirth that we're talking about maybe is that you need to let go of those identities. You need to part with those identities, even how, you know, even how painful that could be, but that's the freeing part. That's what frees you towards some type of liberation and some type of spiritual enlightenment is the loss of ego identities that we have. I agree with who you. we think we are or and yeah. who we think we should be. Because if you have a certain identity of what you're supposed to be in the future, that's a constraint that you've placed on yourself and not allowed yourself to be who you actually could be or what could come of whatever is gonna happen to you. Look, I agree that we should have an idea of who we could become at least a sense of self, a blueprint of what we want in our lives, mm-hmm. right? Uh, one wants to be married, one wants a career, one wants a house. It's fine. But don't hold on to the rigidity of it if it doesn't work exactly yeah, that way. Exactly. Because life can look differently. And we, we hear this sometimes, like, you have a plan, but God has another plan mm-hmm. for you, right? There may be a plan that you have, but you have to be content in the way that one should at least be content in the way it's working out. And you may gain all the things that you want, but the road is not always going to look the way you pictured it. Yeah. There will be bumps in the road. Yeah. Right. Life yeah. can change. Identity can change. Like I was saying earlier, marriages can change. Yeah. One is married at one point, then the marriage ends. Yeah. Okay. But it's what you do after the fact. Mm-hmm. What are you doing then? You need to grow. You need to see yourself. Mm-hmm. Because all these things that you thought were true, these old beliefs now are stripped away from you. Mm-hmm. Now you're left to recreate life with the devices that you do have. Can you do it? And life does pose these challenges. Can you do it? Yeah, exactly. And we have to embrace these. You don't have to do it alone, obviously. Tommy, at least in the film that we were watching, seems to have been doing it alone but he actually has maybe good parts of himself that are helping Mm. and in the movie you see different parts of himself different people Mm. but different understandings that were leading him to the point that he was actually becoming enlightened yeah but it's because he was seeking one thing and we've talked about earlier is he's seeking the light you know he's seeking these things that were illuminated for him and he actually decided to finally listen to the illuminations yeah. By seeing the science, he's like, okay, I'm going to go for it rather than avoiding the science. And I think the problem really is that people avoid the science. Mm. They avoid what's really right in front of them. Mm. They're not paying attention enough in so, some way. Like so many people in reality, even in, in my practice, right? Previously, I'll say, there are so many different signs of what reality is, mm. but we don't listen to them. Mm. You know, we choose to ignore the reality of the situation, the severity of what needs to change. Yeah. Because we're in fear of one thing. Yeah. Which is life. Well, that's even speaking to this thing about identity, because maybe the signs that you're talking about are telling you, uh, maybe it's better to go this way. Maybe you need to make this choice or you need to like let go of this thing. But when we're so we're so hooked into these identities that we have and who we think we are, it almost doesn't allow you to do that. It, it prevents you from making those decisions that sometimes are very difficult because it conflicts with some conception you've created in your head of what life is supposed to be. See how strong the conception is of a person's oh, life, yeah. right? It's so strong that there's a rigidity to it it should be this it yeah. should be that and yeah. Tommy goes into no I have to save her because life is this way I have to save her because life is this way yeah. and it's this cycle of I have to I have to because this is how I know life is yeah. until the reality is like no yeah. no yeah. you have to no just live Yeah, go with her yeah and maybe another way we can think about this 
in relation to Full Metal Jacket mm-hmm. is oh. that the brain is the thing that's telling him, you know, hang on to this, try to figure out a solution to this, go the go the left way down the hall. Whereas at the end, when he goes down the right, it's him following his heart <laughs> so and then, him listening to his feelings and, and oh. what seems right to him as opposed to what he thinks is the right way. I think we're talking about the left and right hemisphere of the brain, right? Oh, yeah. Because the left hemisphere, I think, is not the creative side and the right yeah. is the creative side. Which side is the creative side? The right side. The right side. Yeah. So he's choosing to go right, mm-hmm. which is the unknown, the yeah, uncertainty. That's interesting, too, yeah. The unknown, it the uncertainty. It is unknown, yeah. And then the left is the rigidity, mm. the certainty. I know science. I know this is certainty. And that's logic, too. This is logic. This yeah. is certain. I know I can save her. I can use numbers to save her. Where the unknown is, maybe she just wants to live. Yeah. Maybe she just wants to that's enjoy life. Totally. That, and not think about that. That's so interesting, too, because when he goes left, he's a scientist in a way. Right. And he knows exactly how to do these experiments, and he's at the top of his field, and he is very comfortable in that place. Whereas the right side, we don't ever see what happens when he goes out that door. We don't know what happens when he goes out that door, and neither does he. And so it does fit very well with what you're talking about, about going towards the right hemisphere or towards the emotional side is you don't know where that's leading and it's kind of scary, but it can also be the thing that produces life like we're talking about. Yeah. I think people try to avoid the anxiety of life. Yeah, that is anxiety provoking because you don't know what's going to (laughs) happen. Yeah, you don't know. You're not in control. Yeah. And to go to the left, at least he was in control mm. of life. Or he's mm. trying to control life. Mm-hmm. You can't. And I think all she wanted to do was not think about dying. Mm. Right. Well, there's another scene in the film where she's looking up at the stars. And she talks about the nebula, right? What was the name of the star? It starts with an X. Shibala. Shibala. Yeah. She talks about it and she explains the myth to him. She finds a telescope. She's outside in the snow. Not wearing your yeah, shoes. Yeah. Feet are touching the snow, looking at the yeah. star, admiring it. Yeah. Gazing at it. And he's concerned. Yeah. He's like, come inside. No, no. He's, he's worried about her. He's, he's worried about practicality of yeah. everything. And he, but yeah, you're, you're, I'm glad that you're bringing her up because she's such a good contrast to his character because she's all about the moment and she's all about what's kind of grabbing her attention and what's interesting and like what feels right and all this stuff. And she's trying to like get him to go to that side. So you can think of that character in that main timeline, even though she's the literal one we're talking about. I think you can think about her in a dual aspect. Not only is she his wife, but she is kind of his soul in a way too. And that she's trying to like, bring him over there and say like hey come play with me come have fun come enjoy your life and he's like no 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 i need to do this instead well he's she's the anima that's what i'm saying and his animus again is so rigid it's so this is who i am the masculine i'm powerful yeah i'm logic i Mm -hmm. don't i'm i'm just this way without really thinking about the duality of a person is like no you have to live yeah and for her being in the snow touching the snow looking she's living yeah exactly he's not concerned with living he's not concerned with what's out there in the stars he's concerned with okay what are we doing right now to Mm. save your life because i'm thinking about the future that i'm going to have with you to exist with me tomorrow yeah yeah yeah. even though he's not enjoying the present he's not enjoying the present he's thinking about her in the moment you know her of screwing her life and dying yeah he's afraid of that where she's like i don't care about dying i I just want to live yeah and he could have been doing the same thing when she's at the museum he's more concerned about their doctor appointment whereas she's like engrossed in that museum and is like fascinated by all the stories and she doesn't want to hear about the appointment at all and but that's all he can focus on well there's one scene when back when they're in snow she's stargazing right and she talks about the book and tells him about the myth. Yeah. And he's like, oh, that's good. Um, yeah. When are you going to make that book mm. so I can read it? She knows she's going to die. She doesn't answer the question. But for 
for her to answer the question would be to, for her to say there's a future and look forward to the future mm. she doesn't want to lead him on but he wants to believe that there is a future that she's going to live in oh yeah with him that makes sense but no she's like no just look at the stars yeah. don't think about the future you're so obsessed with keeping me alive that yeah. you're not being you yourself are not alive but she's also trying to get him out of his literal mindedness in the in a way which is also that left that, hemisphere and because he's he can't that's what i mean he's not thinking symbolically he's not thinking metaphorically in any way mm-hmm. and she's maybe telling him hey there is some power to these stories and there's some significance to them and if you can start to find meaning in them maybe it's going to change how you view things and how you look at life and it could change everything for you possibly i think that's really a part of it too oh yeah he needed to find meaning in things outside of what he exactly thought he was exactly right he needed to find meaning in the abstract yes right yes and the arts in life itself in nature yeah the tree is a symbolism of life and death yes the roots go to heaven and they go to hell and they exist in the present, right? Yeah. The stars are symbolism of what could be in the future. Yeah. It's beautiful. Maybe we can touch them one yep. day. Yep. Maybe we won't. But I can see it and hope for it, right? Yeah. But when doing so, he's in just obsessing about what's happening right now, yeah. about preventing yeah. the natural course of life. Yeah. He's not living. He's dead. Yeah. He's more dead than she is. Exactly. But I think and maybe this is a good place to end the podcast then is, he does make that realization in the end and it's in a very subtle way. And I think this is why this director is very good because he, he's a true artist. I would say Mm -hmm. Darren Aronofsky, he, he rides that line so perfectly. I'd say between doing things that are not what you're expecting and are, on our artistic, but not going over the line too much. And I think he does that very well in this movie, but the subtlety in the end of Tommy going back to the grave. And obviously this is at a later time that he goes back to the grave and he wipes off her, uh, the name with the snow and he takes a seed. Mm-hmm. I don't know what the seed is for. And he plants it in her grave. Yeah. And I think from what we're talking about, that is a perfect representation of him finding meaning in like the symbolic right. and in the metaphor and I don't think he's planting that in the idea of a real tree necessarily, maybe, maybe partly, but I think most of it is having to do with the story and the idea behind it and that he's come to terms with that part of himself. And, and he, it seems like he finished the book too, because he wrote that last chapter. Mm -hmm. He, and he, the last chapter he wrote was him, finding the tree of life and so it does seem like in the end he comes to that realization for himself and it's not so scientifically and literal minded anymore no he accepts it yeah yeah okay it's a good place to stop there you go <laughs> um all right man i am super excited we got big weekend coming up oh yeah it's gonna be a good weekend friday we're going to see barbie we're gonna go get some dim sum and then we're gonna go see oppenheimer at night so we're doing what i guess most people are doing what i'm hearing about in social media yeah so watching a double feature right yeah barbie in the afternoon then oppenheimer in the evening yeah i don't think i've ever it's going to be a two good movies Friday. in a movie theater in the same day. I've done I, it drive-in, but never in the movie theater. So. I've never done a double feature. Okay. It used to be very popular, probably in the 70s or the 60s or even yeah, the 80s. Yeah. This is going to be a yeah. good time. So I'm excited. This is going to be a, a good film-watching day. I think a lot of people are going to go see these movies. And the plan is to watch them on Friday, and then we're going to do... A podcast on one of them on Saturday. I think we're going to just decide mm-hmm. which one is more worthy of doing a podcast this Saturday. And then we'll do the other movie the following week. Sounds good with me. And so this is cool. These are the first movies we're doing that are out in theaters at the time that we're doing a podcast. So we'll see if 
people will want to listen in and watch. But um, yeah, man, looking forward to it. Looking forward to seeing some good movies and eating some dim sum. And um, yeah, it's going to be a good time. Stay, stay out of the heat, get in the air conditioning in the theater. Some popcorn, <laughs> some soda. Yeah, for sure. All right, man. Well, this was good. I enjoyed your uh, presence as always. And uh, this is Michael. This is Eamon. This is Deconstructing the Psyche. And we will see you next week. Take care. Bye. Thank you.